Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kritika. And I'm Kelly. And today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 11, Santa. Santa originally aired December 11th, 2012, and it was written by Luva Rock, who last wrote for Season 1, Episode 20, Normal. And the director was Craig Zisk. This is the only episode of New Girl that he directed. He's also directed for the TV miniseries The Looming Tower, the movie The English Teacher, the TV show Weeds, and five episodes of both Parks and Recreation and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He actually started directing in 1993, and the first television show he directed for was Cop Rock. But in this episode, the Loftmates realize everyone is headed out to celebrate the holidays separately, and so they try to maximize their time by attending everyone's Christmas parties. At these parties, though, Jess gets a surprise visit from Sam, Winston deals with a cranberry stuck in his ear, Nick and Angie get to the next level, and Cece is trying to show Schmidt she's still his friend. This episode opens up with everyone talking about Santa as they make a popcorn and cranberry garland. Very adorable. All of them sitting around doing these arts and crafts at their table. I thought it was so cute to watch everybody just sharing their experiences with Santa and like when they found out that Santa wasn't real and... You see Jess talk about how she just didn't question it. Like, if someone's going to bring her dolls, she's going to take them. And that's so Jess-like. I thought, like, everybody's experience with it was so true to their character. They found the perfect way to describe everyone's relationship with Santa, especially Winston, who's like, whether or not Santa's real. And then that's what causes everyone to, like, (laughs) make fun of him because... That's just so adorable that he just like kind of wasn't willing to let it go. And he just starts stuttering. He starts stuttering like, oh, well, like trying to back it up. And he's just like, don't worry, guys, it's real. Like, this is, this is a real thing. <laughs> and, you know, I really appreciated Max Greenfield acting as Schmidt, not only in this scene, but really the whole episode. But in this scene, his smile when he's just like, oh, Winston still thinks Santa is real. And then they get into this like cranberry fight. I loved watching him. I wasn't so sure about the cranberry fight, especially after one got stuck in Winston's ear, though. Cranberries are really hard. When you eat cranberries and, like, the cranberry sauce and whatnot, it's because you've boiled them down for so long that they're, like, a mush. But, like, the cranberry itself is a hard thing. It like, almost, like, like a nut, you know? Like, that's how hard it is. So, like, I could see one getting lodged in his ear with enough force. Like, it wouldn't just, like, break. I mean, he did kind of break it because you see Winston kind of, like, talking about it. He's like, all of these pieces together do not make a cranberry. I think something's still stuck in there. I have to say, though, I didn't love how no one took him seriously. I love the comedy, of course, of how Winston couldn't hear, apparently. But I didn't love how he just never had anybody helping him take this cranberry out of his ear. I mean, I didn't really think about that. I was very much caught up in the humor, but they weren't really being helpful in this moment. You're right. Everyone was just still like making fun of him for believing in Santa and then not really helping him. But then it was also super funny how Nick is again starting up the holiday episode with the premise that he has to get to the airport in the middle of the night. Because if you remember like season one, episode nine, the 23rd, that was also a similar experience because he's like, got to go to the airport, got to get to the airport. And I was kind of bummed, not going to lie, like was very upset that they didn't work in a like Nick Miller mom phone call because that was so fun in the first season when he's like, mom, I'm not going to make it. 
It's not going to happen. And like Winston's like, I'm going to get him to the airport. No, I'm not going to get to the airport. And this, like, especially because he had to fly out of San Diego. I was like, you you guys are in LA. That's a two and a half hour drive. If there's no traffic, there's probably traffic. That's probably a three hour drive to get you to the airport. Nick was asking a lot. I was so ready for these humorous, humorous phone calls from his mom. And we did not get it. I was so mad. Now that you say it, I actually missed it too like I don't think I felt it when I was watching the episode because it was so packed with other things like this was a really good episode and I think that adding that piece in would have meant that other things would have had to be cut and I don't know if I was ready for that but I do miss his mom coming in or just like the continuity of like hey he's never made it on time home for the holidays and like it could have been such a simple thing as just throwing it in there like my mom's already called three times that's it we didn't have to actually even hear it but that would have been a great callback to the 23rd like you're saying but it's fine instead they decide to go to all these parties the night before Nick has to leave and everyone has to leave and both Nick and Schmidt are just like I don't want any part of this like I'm out until Jess says that she will DD And then everyone's in because, of course, like, it's so much easier when you don't have to pay for cabs. And, you know, there was quite a big group of them that was going on all these parties. At one point, I swear there were six people in the car. So I'm not really sure how they managed all of that. But yes, Jess did agree that she was going to be the designated driver. And it just was a good premise for all of the rest of this episode to kind of start out and and have a thing. But a cute part too of this episode and like as we got into the parties was they had little invitations before each one. Didn't you see that? That was like so cute. I thought that was so fun. And also I was totally looking at the date in the invitations and they all did say December 22nd. And so that made sense. But that like, so like last season, it was the 23rd. And this was the 22nd that they're doing all these parties. But then I'm also like, how does it catch Jess by surprise every time that people are going to start going away for Christmas? Because that's like, just two days before Christmas Eve. I don't know. It just seems like it shouldn't be catching her by surprise <laughs> at the 22nd. But I liked I liked noticing that detail. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think it's interesting that they wanted to do like holidays together like that was Jess's whole thing she wanted to do this thing together but coincidentally all of their parties were the same night like also if you think about holiday parties usually they get staggered out a little bit during that time just so that people can make as many of them as they need because they're not expecting people to Irish goodbye out of parties and just get as many as they can and The way at the end of the episode it sounded was there were more parties. So there was Sadie's party. There was the party that Schmidt was invited to, Winston's work party, and more. So I don't know whose other party they had to go to. I don't know if Nick had a party that they could go to as well, which would be one that I'm sad didn't make the episode. But, you know, it's interesting that, like, not only was she – surprised by the fact that they were all leaving but that all of the parties happened to be the same night yeah that was a very good coincidence that they all happened to be the same night I think too for some of those other parties Schmidt mentioned at the beginning like oh it's such and such parties tonight and this person's party tonight like he like rattled off a few people too that were like fake friends maybe it was way back those like football friends that only showed up one time (laughs) I'm sure that's who it was like the one group that they are also friends with. I have no idea. But yeah, they they ended up getting to go to all the parties. And the first one was Sadie and Melissa, which such a bummer too. Would, we don't even get to see Sadie or Melissa or the new baby. In theory, they would have had their baby, right? Maybe not. 
I don't think they maybe would have had the baby since it was only like two episodes ago or three episodes ago that that episode aired. So in their timeline, that's still about like three, four weeks. And I don't think she was that close to having the baby. But either way, right? Like, why would you say we're going to Sadie's party and then not show us Sadie? You know, it was funny. We watched a special like they had their 10 year reunion recently and we got to see that special. And in that Elizabeth Merriweather is like, you know, someone in the show that we wish we could have done more with was June Diane Raphael and that her character, Sadie, and they would have done like so much more and had so much more content for her, but then had to cut a lot of it. And like, they even joked that they could probably make a whole other season with how much cut content they had throughout all the seasons of New Girl. There's just so much of it. And so maybe to me, this is a moment where it was like, had there been no budget, had there been no issue of however many people could be included in the episode, they would have been able to have at least Sadie there and June Diane Raphael playing Sadie. But like, again, I think you made a good point earlier too. We're like, we didn't get Nick's mom. We didn't get to see Sadie, but like there was still so much good material in this episode. Like they, they, they almost should have done like an hour long Christmas special because there was just so much. Yeah, that's totally fair. And the whole budget thing definitely plays into it. I know that came up with Robbie in the Thanksgiving episode, Parents, as well. So I'll let it go, even though it would have been so fun. You're right. There was so much good content in this episode, like Winston just yelling everywhere. And the fact that he's just like, am I yelling? And he says that suddenly quieter. And that's like the normal volume. So he thinks he's like whispering and he's actually just speaking normally. It was hilarious to watch Winston at Sadie and Melissa's party, but then also just like throughout this whole episode. Winston almost kind of stole it away from me in this episode because he just is, he's so funny. Lamorne Morris is so funny. And I love how Winston is evolving. Although from a writing perspective of this episode, I definitely saw him yelling and only like afterwards. And I thought about it a little, I'm like, wait, he only got a cranberry in one ear, right? Like, I don't know how he can't hear when it's only one ear that's obstructed. Like, couldn't he just turn his head and like listen with the other ear really intently? I don't know. I just was like, I love the humor. So don't get me wrong. I'm so glad that this was a comedy bit in this episode that's that went through the whole thing. But it just was hilarious that he had a good ear. He didn't listen. He couldn't hear with it, but he wasn't he wasn't listening. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about that at all. And you're right. He probably could have done a little bit more to try and hear better. But instead, he chats up Sam, who's at Sadie's party, to get his cranberry removed. And when Jess sees Sam, she freaks out. And it's honestly kind of cute how Cece and Schmidt cover for her and she, like, ducks between them. And even as they are fighting – they're still looking out for Jess. Like, you know, Schmidt tells her to duck down and Cece puts her hand to cover Jess's face when she's peeking out. And I really loved how these two interacted with each other. It reminded me a lot on the flip side of like Valentine's Day back in season one where they were the ones trying to help Jess get this one night stand. And they were like this kind of like team, even though then they seemed to be more on the same page than they were now. No, it was really adorable. I loved I love that too. I, I did what I didn't love though was Schmidt's attitude. I just was like, Ooh, you got a little attitude going on. What's, what's happening with that Schmidt? Because he's not only like mad at CC, which like, I get it. 
it makes sense because he told her he loved her and Cece kind of just rejected him in a way. But then he's not only mad at Cece, he's mad at Jess. And he's he's like, okay, you're on the clock, five minutes, then we got to go to my party. And then is like, these pastel walls are stupid, like really not into it. And that part I was like, hmm, okay, Schmidt, like you're not going to be any fun this episode. But then, yeah, that scene where Jess is trying to hide behind them kind of warmed him up a little bit to me because then they're both like, it's fine. Like, we'll take care of you. Like as much as, like you said, as much as they were mad, it was just really cute how they were like, okay, like totally in on it. Like, okay, we're going to cover you, Jess. Like, no worries. (laughs) Like, we're here. Yeah, I like that he kind of flipped his attitude a little bit. And then over in the corner, just like making cookies, there's Nick and Angie. And he is honestly just self-destructing. Like he's imploding with like, I don't know how to deal with this. And, you know, even earlier we see him put it on the rest of the loft of like, oh, are you guys going to be okay? Don't be awkward around my stripper girlfriend. And it's like, Nick, just like Jess said, stop calling her your stripper girlfriend. It's not her identity. It's her profession. You have got to take a chill pill and like, figure out how to deal with this. Love that. That is a good phrase. Take a chill pill, Nick. Just chill. Because <laughs> yeah, he he really is like solely, I don't know. Angie tries to call him out and say, you know, I don't think you can handle this. Are you sure? I wasn't really sure. And Nick's trying to be like, oh yeah, super cool. I can totally handle this. And I'm just like watching this. I'm like, you cannot handle this. Like, there's nothing about you, Nick, right now that is going to be okay with how this is going to play out with Angie. And he's trying to show he's so cool by, like, making the cookies, you know, and he makes this, like, kind of like a zombie cookie, right? Kind of. Like, a murderer zombie cookie, maybe. Like, it was weird. It was it was great that he could do it, but weird. It was weird, for sure, but it was kind of, like, creative and cute. I don't know. It was, like, cookie cute. I don't know. <laughs> is that a thing? I'm making up a thing. It was cookie cute. Murder <laughs> on gingerbread is cookie cute. <laughs> but then Angie is making her cookie, and she just holds it up, and she's like, you want to have sex? And I'm like, how did Nick not notice that she was trying to write words on her cookie and, like, try to read it ahead of time? Also, how did these cookies get made? They were just... Suddenly we cut to them and they had had all this time to make these cookies and they looked pretty legit. So I was like, okay, we've made we've made gingerbread cookies. But I guess Jess did say it was a cookie decorating party. For me, it was more of just if they were really only there for like a couple minutes, which I hope they were there longer. But how did they just do it so quickly? Like I can understand how the cookies may have been pre-made. But like you said, it was done pretty well for what they did. And they did it so quickly. They really were there only five minutes, right? Like, I swear, it was like the fastest holiday party. And I was just thinking, too, maybe Schmidt would have had a better time had the lesbians been there. His his virginious buddies, the one <laughs> that he, he can talk about his favorite thing with, he would have maybe had a better time should they have been at their own party. But Sam sees Jess and... They're like, we're Irish goodbye and go, go, go. And they all gather and huddle and leave. And it was just so, like, they exited so quickly. So then when we get to the next party, I just couldn't even believe that Sam was, like, already there. How, like, how did Sam get there before everyone else? And how did Winston arrange that deal about the next holiday party before they even knew they were leaving? I did think about this a little bit because I also was confused by how Sam made it there first, but 
if you look at the scene of them Irish goodbying, like first Jess is hiding behind Cece and Schmidt, but also Nick and Angie. And when Sam looks over, it's beautiful because Nick and Angie are also being very coupley to hide the fact that Jess is there. And I thought that was so sweet of Angie as like this newcomer to be like bonding with them and like, we're going to protect Jess, which I was, I loved actually. So my, my thoughts on Angie have changed a bit, but when the Irish goodbye, it is just the five of them. You don't see Winston actually leave. And so my theory is the five of them got in the car and Winston taking his minute to figure out with the cranberry stuck in his ear what's going on, Sam would have asked where they're going. He gives them the address and then he gets in the car and he goes. Now, I still don't know how Sam beats them there, but I do think that either he told him before he left the party or he said, like, I'll find out and text you and texted him from the car because he does not leave with them. Like, he doesn't exit Sadie's house with them. No, that's a good point. And I I like that you put so much thought into this. That's good use of your critical thinking skills. I love it. Um, But I will say too, the fact that they're all hiding behind and Jess is hiding behind the four of them. And it's literally Cece, Schmidt, Nick, but then, okay, new Angie. And like Sam's looking at them and talking to Winston. That's a moment where I feel like Nick could have been like, are you an idiot, Jess? Because there's no way Sam would have believed that Jess was not there, having seen all of them. Because if it was like, oh, I ran into Nick at a party, then like, no, it's not a given that Jess is also there. But like, literally the whole loft was there. Plus also Sadie's party. Like, why would Jess not be at Sadie's party if anybody was there? Right, right. It's like literally Jess's friend. Yeah. Although I did, I mean, this seems really obvious and I felt really proud of myself for realizing this, but I was like, Sam's at Sadie's party because Sam's a doctor. Sadie's a doctor. Yes. And I don't know why I felt really proud about that connection, but I did that. I figured that one out. I'm so happy you're proud of yourself (laughs) for getting that. But from there they go to Schmidt's work party. And I love how Jess is just like, are they going to play a computer music all night? And Schmidt's like, it's a very respected DJ who was an actor on Boy Meets World. And like I even mentioned before in the episode that last year this party had acrobats and caged snow leopards. And that how now they think there's going to be like whale meat and all this. And I was like, oh gosh, no, who wants to be at this party? It actually too was a lot like it made sense about like the big house with the all glass walls in the hills of like LA and whatnot. But I also was like, it seemed a little not posh enough. Like I thought it would be like really crazy food that like you could barely like touch and it would dissolve or something. But yeah, it was pretty silly. But then of course we do see Sam there and Jess immediately sees him and tries to run away. Oh my God. This was like the best, the best scene of the whole thing. And she runs into the walls that are all made of glass and she's running into it multiple times. And she's just like, ah, I feel like a bird. And and then she Sam tries to talk to her again and he's like I'm so sorry I like you or whatever he said and she tries to run away again and she does it again oh my god I was like dying at this point and she actually says are none of these a door (laughs) and it's so good oh Jess only Zoe Deschanel could be this person that (laughs) made that scene so perfect nobody else could have done that no for sure and Then she eventually gets into a room, Sam comes over, and she ends up hiding in this closet with Winston and Schmidt, 
And first of all, her like claustrophobicness is just gone because that was just a thing for last episode. We're not going to talk about it again, apparently. But Winston's just like shouting and is like, oh, you know, that's the dump fantasy. Like someone crawling back to you that dumped you. And Schmidt's like, we need to workshop that term. I honestly, hearing that and hearing Winston describe it, I didn't even like process what he meant because I was like, dumping what? Like, what kind of dump are you talking about? <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, and then Schmidt, like, I don't know, this, this show's so crazy because it drops in these nuggets of like wisdom, if you will, or like, even if it's wisdom, it makes you be like, hmm, is this person telling like something that's wise or like something else? Because then Schmidt in that moment too is like, people don't change. They just think that they do. And I'm like, what like although maybe he was just saying it out of bitterness because cc upset him so that's probably what it was but like it took me a moment to be like is that is that a true thing do i feel that way (laughs) like i had to think about it and i don't know that i really came to a good conclusion but i just was like yeah people can change people can change schmidt you're just you're a little better right now he's definitely still feeling the effects of being rejected by cc and It does give you something to think about, though, like whether because I do think some people would agree with that statement. So it's nice that like New Girl is a comedy, but it peppers in these kind of moments that make you think, too. And this is all happening just like as Jess is processing her feelings. Sam comes in. That's why they're like hiding in this closet. And he like starts professing his like not love, but like his like for her into like each of these rooms. And when he talks about the fact that she, like, sat on the Evite balls or something like that, he had such a genuine smile. And I love that he was like, oh, if this sounds rehearsed, I've already done this in three – this is the third room I've done this in. And it was so nice to see someone, like, genuinely making all this effort for her. And I really like Sam, and I think they make a good pairing most of the time. And so I was really excited to see all this and just see how genuine Sam looked and felt. Yeah, he did look pretty genuine. I think I do kind of side with Jess a little bit more, though, because it was kind of out of nowhere because he very much was like, no, not interested. And like we were actually commending him because we're like, you were very clear. You were not interested. And it was like no hint. It wasn't even a question. It was not a thing. And now it's like a full I was going to say a full 180, but (laughs) it was a whole 180 because now he's completely changed his mind. And he's like, no, I really like you and you're the girl for me and I want to date you. And I'm just like, it's too much mixed messages. So I was kind of like with Jess on this page. So I really loved that she kind of came out and she was trying to stand her ground, but she was like maybe a little nervous yet because then she tries to pretend she's in a relationship with Winston and he can't hear. So he just is like, yeah, got real stuck together. <laughs> like, And she's like, in the relationship. <laughs> just so great. And again, I told you how much I loved Max Greenfield in this episode, but him in the background smiling while Jess is pretending to date Winston is so funny. Like you can definitely just see it's partially Schmidt and partially Max just being like, oh God, I can't wait to see this play out. And it's really sweet to see. But to your point about Sam, I have to say, I do think the fact that he reached out to her out in random is okay, but I don't think the way to do it was to show up at her friend's holiday party. If he was just regularly invited, which it sounds like he was, which is weird to me that Sadie wouldn't have warned Jess if Sam was also invited to this party or that, like, he was coming. I think that 
overall, it just wasn't the right place for him to do this unless he literally just like decided in that moment. But he came to the party to talk to her. And I think this should have been done separately and not like if she wasn't into it, he wouldn't have then ruined her holiday night because if she didn't want to be with him and she was going to get upset about this if she didn't come back to him at the end of the day this could have ruined a wonderful night with her and her friends and I think that was kind of wrong on Sam's part but I think coming out of random or coming out of the blue to come talk to her I mean it's always going to feel that way unless there's something that you like it could have been two weeks after this party maybe if they just happen to talk but maybe not this party yeah no I agree with that and like yeah it doesn't it kind of put Jess on the spot, hence the hiding, hence the like running away like a bird, <laughs> like getting trapped. Hence the lying, too. Hence the lying about being in a relationship with, with Winston. So it seems like, okay, Sam's finally on the outs. Winston does get his ear fixed. And that's when Sam finds out that she had made up the relationship because of course she did. But Sam is like, hey, I was only more threatened by you. Winston, like the other guys in the loft, especially metrosexual and sweatshirt guy, wasn't concerned about them. But you, I was concerned about. I would want to be all about you, but not your mustache. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> like, wh- what are you saying, Sam? I just was like, this is this is an odd thing. No, it was super weird. And I love that Winston immediately got what he was talking about, though, and then knows that he has to break up with Jess just for just to have a chance with Sam because he knows that that's like the right thing and you can kind of almost see that he uses his Theodore K. Mullins voice when he's breaking up with her and I was like okay so this is just your I'm in a fake relationship with everyone voice because you pretended it with Schmidt you did it with Nick and now you're doing it with Jess so this is your role Winston fake (laughs) being relationships with everyone in the loft yeah especially since you don't seem to get many relationships yourself or if you do we don't get to hear about them so Fake relationships for Winston as Theodore K. Mullins. That was, yeah, really good Good deducing there. But then the way, too, he threw his drink on Jess was, like, so half-hearted because he wanted to sell it, but he didn't want to sell it that much and make her, like, bad because he could have, like, got her face or something. But he's like, hmm. And he, like, threw it toward the side of her coat. And I just was like, there was an attempt at that. Like, you did that as, like, a friend, like, clearly. And then immediately Jess, when, that, when he walks away, is like, yeah, we were never together. And Sam's like, I realized that. <laughs> like, there was no, you guys did not sell that well. <laughs> no. And then he kisses her and she stops it. Ugh, so glad. I'm proud of Jess in that moment because in that moment, she was not, she was not in the headspace where she was maybe going to give it a try. You know, she was like, no, you've hurt me. I'm not into this. Like, don't just kiss me. I'm telling you no. Listen to me. Like, I'm going to walk away. Yeah. And I think that that doesn't, lesson at all based on the fact that she does decide to go back to him later I think in this moment this is what she had to do and she wouldn't have come back to him or had a good hopefully good and longish relationship with him going forward because I still kind of want her with Nick but I really do like her with Sam so I'm okay if that's where this ends up but this moment it was absolutely the right thing for her to do and I feel like We don't get to see Jess's stronger side of her personality very often. Like every now and then it shows up like after Halloween when she actually punched Nick for punching her, which everyone wasn't expecting. And there's a couple other moments through the series where she stands up for herself, like with Jess and Julia, where she stands up to Julia about I break for birds, you know, 
my checks have baby farm animals on them. This is one of those defining moments for her for me as well, because just the line of like, okay, I'll leave you alone. And then she goes, no, I'm leaving you alone was so empowering. For real. Jess was like, so stand out in this episode. I, I loved, I loved that about her. But then also at this party was some reindeer and a sleigh and Nick and Angie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I did love that Nick was trying so hard. Angie kind of said she wanted to have sex, but they had to leave the other party really quickly. So he's trying really hard to like be in this thing that their relationship is. But they get to the sleigh and they're like talking about the reindeer. And so they hop in the sleigh. And to me, this was so awkward, but so hilarious at the same time. And Nick is literally like on top of her. And I'm like, wait, did Nick just quote Taken as Liam Neeson? (laughs) Like, Taken. That's that's the movie that you want to reference when you're about to have sex with someone. A movie about women being taken into sex trafficking. <laughs> what? I had to like pause and like go back and be like, that is literally what he just said. <laughs> well, you were just like Angie and probably every other person watching this, not able to understand why Nick goes down this path. But I think he's just so in his head. He like doesn't know anything to do. He's just like trying so hard. And of course the sled breaks. They fall out. And he yells how this is his nightmare again because he has so many nightmares. But he hides and Angie just goes like super into performer mode. Like she's like performing. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to feel about this because I'm so happy you're like comfortable in yourself. But like. This isn't maybe the place for you to be performing for this. Like, I don't know. I was, it was really kind of weird. You know, it's funny. I definitely noticed that, like, I kind of watched them as they kind of fell out and they were like awkwardly scrambling. Nick goes and hides, which, like, classic Nick definitely was like, yep, that's Nick. He's like, this is my nightmare, as you said, and like goes under the little fake snow blanket thing. But then I also was like, and Angie seems like she's performing, like she's throwing her hands up and like, Merry Christmas, you know, and like saying it really performatively. But I don't know that I thought it was like, super weird. I just was like, Oh, like, this is how she finds comfort in a way because she is a stripper and she does perform as a profession. And she's used to performances being on a stage. And so she just was ending the performance in a point you know and trying to like cover up the awkward part of it and so I just think like that was her response to the awkwardness but I didn't think it was so weird I just thought it was like they don't know what they're doing like it's just they were in the middle of trying to and they got caught and it just it was pretty funny yeah maybe but then Nick goes on to just self-sabotage it first he's like basically almost breaks all the reindeer and then he confronts Angie that he's not into these kind of things assuming that this is something totally up her alley just because she's a stripper and continues to talk about how for now this is happening for now he's a bartender and obviously she's upset and walks away and you know he gets to say Nick Miller turning lemonade into lemons like oh Nick like true but this is what you did to yourself he he really did and he really just got too much in his head And through the show and like in life, and even though he's a fictional character, sometimes people like Nick because he is awkward and he is silly and people really like him for that. And like him being kind of genuinely weird in a way. And I think even for Angie, she kind of likes that in him, but then 
he gets too caught up in it. He gets like, he, he's not confident in how he's kind of silly. So it just, I felt really sad, like them leaving that party. And it definitely seemed like she left without him. And so they're like on to the next party. They're going to go to Winston's party. And it just like, they left separately. Yeah, I noticed that too. And, you know, it leads to Nick and just having this heart to heart at Winston's party. And, you know, Nick comes to check in on Joss first, which was really sweet. And his radio voice was surprisingly good. I was totally impressed in that. And then he says this line, which both Kelly and I, being big Jess and Nick shippers, loved, where he says, I think you're the kind of girl a guy would come back for. This whole dynamic was so cute. I I simply cannot. I cannot with them because I I heard that line. I saw their eyes looking at each other. I saw the mood in that dark little radio booth. And I just was like, you guys care about each other so much and you're so supportive and you're just trying to help each other out. I love that they committed to the bit. I love that Nick went in there in the first place because he saw that she was looking sad. It just was everything, everything about it. I couldn't, I like, I love my, like, it makes me just happy inside. I just, it was so, so cute. And it was like one minute of the show or something. Like it was really, it really kind of helped make this episode for me. But then Jess is also supporting Nick with Angie. So it's not just like Nick supporting Jess, like only about Sam and like trying to like pep her up and get her like more excited. Jess is also trying to tell Nick and get him excited and not down on himself about Angie. It's really sweet because he talks about how Angie doesn't really want to be with him and how he doesn't know if she's really coming to this. And she shows up, obviously, but... Jess's comment is, would Angie do anything she doesn't want to do? And that's so true. Like, Angie is not the kind of girl that's going around being like, oh, you want me to do this? Okay, like, she's not a people pleaser. Like, she's not a bad person, but that's not, like, her nature. And so Jess even goes on to say, you need a girl that's fearless because you are not fearless. And Angie is fearless. And so she's even saying that they make a good pair. And I thought that was so sweet to see that. And, you know, this is the second time now that she's told Nick to go get Angie or like to go spend time with Angie because we saw that in a previous episode too. We did. And one thing specifically that Jess said was go get her. Like literally that's what Jess originally said to him as well that I thought was really cute. And I just love that it was the second time that he was, she was kind of encouraging him, but like, the way that he did it was he got on the radio and broadcasted. I was kind of curious, like, was he really broadcasting just to the room or to like the radio? <laughs> I wasn't sure how that was coming across, but the part that was really adorable for me, for Nick, when he was kind of going through about like making this speech to, to Angie was you're so goofy to be going out with me. And then he said, thank you. <laughs> like Nick, you're goofy. That's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> And the fact that he goes up and like starts to dance all sexy and gives her a lap dance and she stops him because (laughs) she's like, oh no, that's not how you do it. This is so bad. I'm going to do it and show you. And then it's a real lap dance. And then Schmidt steps in and he's just like, no, no, you don't know what you're doing. Let me show you a lap dance. And Nick is just like, oh my gosh, get away from me. Do you not understand what's happening here? And it's like, I mean, I think he gets it, but also you are in a 
Christmas party at Winston's <laughs> work. Like, maybe still not the place for this. Definitely not the place for Schmidt to do what he did. But it was the silliest, craziest thing I've ever seen. But also, Schmidt was just trying to be a good friend. He was just trying to help his best friend and show him what a good lap dance was and exploring what that looks like. However, I will say, as funny as all the lap dance everything was, and I just, like, love that that's how they resolved this, is, like, an immediate lap dance. Like, Nick's trying to show her, like, hey, I'm here and I'm going to lap dance you and I'm not, like, afraid of this. At the same time, I was like, your whole relationship right now is circling around the fact that she's a stripper. Like, you call her your stripper girlfriend. You're really not okay moving beyond the fact that that's what she does for a living. And, like, that's even the reason they got into a fight at the last party is her him being like, oh, well, you're a stripper for now. I'm a bartender for now. Like, really not accepting it. And she's like, for now? What the heck? It was funny that this is how they resolved this. I really did enjoy it. I was laughing, so I'm not saying that. But I'm also like, it doesn't, I don't think that there's any depth to this relationship and I don't think it's going very far because there's just, that's all they do is they kind of make jokes about the fact that she's a stripper. And this is actually the mid-season finale because this is the last episode in 2012 and we'll come back in 2013. So I can actually see Angie just not being a part of it when they come back. Like she had this two episode arc, like, yes, they're fine now, but if they were to write her off right now, I wouldn't be too surprised either because you're right. It does really revolve around her profession and there's not as much else to it even though it looked like it could be something else from where they started where they had the same attitude where they had this chemistry from like their jokes with each other and maybe we'll get back to that it would be nice to see that again but meanwhile we talked about Schmidt and Cece so when we were at his party we found out that Cece got Schmidt this gift and she wants to be friends with him and he's just still so annoyed and mad and hurt and upset and just all these feelings about all this stuff that's happening with Cece. But at the end of the day, like, Cece comes back to tell him, like, thank you for telling me you loved me. I got you a gift and it's the gift that you told me is the most baller medal. I appreciated her being there for him, but I almost felt like coming back and saying, thank you for telling me you love me was almost more hurtful. I think so too. You know, in the way she said it too, it's like it's more hurtful to say it that way. Like, well, thank you. And not like, I love you back. It's like, she did kind of mention at Schmidt's work party that like, oh, I care about you really deeply as a friend. But like, you can still say you love your friends, but like maybe she thought Schmidt might have misunderstood that as something else and that he would have. He totally would have done that. Like, if she had said, I love you in any capacity, even if she said, I love you as a friend, I don't think he would have heard the end of that. Also, it seems like loving someone is a very new thing for Schmidt. So I feel like he wouldn't be able to comprehend the difference between someone who he loved loving him as a friend versus just loving him. And I think he would have stayed on her hook because of that. I think that's a good point. And I think you're right. And Schmidt too is just so clearly like distraught because he's like giving away the gift. Right. But then like learning more about it. And so, yeah, I definitely felt it was kind of hurtful for Cece to say it the way she did and also kind of say, I'm the wrong person for you. Or like you said it to the wrong person. That part, like to me was like the extra dig because I was like, I mean, and clearly explains Schmidt's response of bah humbug. Like, I don't even want to be here right now. Like this is not interesting to me because 
Cece is just like trying to be nice and sweet and be like, I'm here. I'm your friend. I'm supportive of you. I got something that you would really care about. And she's, but she's still denying his reality of like, you think you love me, but I don't think you do. Cece, like it took him a really long time to get to that spot. Like you don't even know like what he mentally went through and you're just like denying it. I just, I was kind of like, I thought it was really sweet what was happening between them in this episode. They had some sweet moments and cute things, but then they really weren't connecting. I don't fault Cece for saying it, but I don't think it's what Schmidt needed to hear either. I think that it could have been handled completely differently. But as they're making their way to their next party, they're in this cop and Jess is like weaving like she's drunk and like they get pulled over and they're freaking out. Like she smells like booze. They just like start tossing the jacket out the window. And what I didn't get is okay, even if they had pulled her out and asked her to walk on a line, you know, take a breathalyzer, she was sober. So what were they freaking out about? Like, it's not like she was actually driving drunk. And I don't think they would have done anything if they could prove she was sober. I think they were freaking out that her jacket smelled like alcohol because Winston threw a drink on her. And I think, I mean, I know what you're saying. If they did a breathalyzer, she would have been fine. If she did a a sober test, she would have been fine. But then- people get nervous but then also they had that's when I said they had six people in that car because they had they had Schmidt in the front seat and then they had Winston Cece Nick and Angie all in the back seat I think that would have been a bigger deal and like you're not supposed to drive with six people in a five people car although I couldn't like it looked like the car was bigger in one of the episode scenes where I was like whose car is this where did they get this car but maybe if it was just a sedan like there's no way six people would have fit in there and then they're also like chucking the jacket right because they're all in this terror and schmidt just throws it right at a cop and that's also not a red flag for anybody like how they're handling all of this is a little bit not the greatest and then even when like jess tells the officer like oh you know i believe in traffic violations like i'm would never get behind the wheel of a car if i was drinking and he says i believe you Jess is still like, wait, what? And Schmidt's like, be cool, Jess. And it's like, if you're saying that, he can hear you. And that's not the sign of someone who's like hiding something. Like that would invite more questions, Schmidt. In Jess's case, Jess was just trying to do the right thing. And she thought, oh no, if I smell like alcohol, that could be bad. But everyone else was drunk. So I think that gives them a pass at like doing what they were doing. And Schmidt not really understanding, but I'm totally with you. Everything else they were doing is what was the reason they would have gotten some some more problems. But then, of course, this man, this black man, has this really intense beard. And then that's when everyone's like, oh, it was Santa. It was black Santa because he believed him. Or they he believed them. And everyone was freaking out. They were so excited. And like even Angie was like, that was Santa Claus. Like that Everyone was very convinced. Like, I loved how that ended. Winston is so fully believing at this point, too. And, like, Cece, though, Cece's smile at Jess believing was such a true friendship smile. Like, she was there, like, not only for the Santa, but mostly also for, like, believing in Sam. Like, she, she's there for it. Like, she thinks this is such a good thing. And so they go back to the hospital. And, of course... You can't just walk into a children's hospital and go see whoever you want at like midnight or later. And Angie decides, yep, I can be of use now. And she just gives the guy, the the male nurse, gum and then was like, boobs? And it works. So everybody just runs by except all the guys come back and like take their moments staring at her. And she's just like hanging out like, okay, I'll do this as long as it takes. 
everybody stops to look. I couldn't even believe everybody stops to look. And I also, I'm just like, we get it. She's a stripper. <laughs> like, you know, like it was hilarious. I love that this is how this happened. I also was like, wait, wasn't she wearing a dress? But she's kind of not. It's definitely like a top with a skirt. But in some of the lighting in this episode, she looks like she's wearing a dress. So I was like, she just raised her whole dress up because that's just not boobs. That's like everything. So she is just pulling her shirt up. But then they sneak past, they get past the guard or like the nurse guard or like the nurse receptionist. And they get stopped by another security guard. <laughs> and then Jess immediately is like magicals and trying to like convince them to, to sing with her. And Jess starts singing and I'm like 10 out of 10. Jess is amazing. Zoe Deschanel, actually a singer. This is great. And then everyone else started singing. I'm like zero out of 10. All of you are horrible. <laughs> you should stop now. I love that they put their own twist on it. Like, Schmidt's just throwing in, like, Hanukkah stuff and, like, things more related to his own Jewish faith. And then, you know, Schmidt and Cece are just looking at each other with these, like, looks of love and Naked Angie are being all cutesy. And Sam walks out and he's all, like, happy about this. All of this was so great. Like, this was a wonderful, like, end to this episode. Yeah. No, that was really cute. And then... Jess, being inspired by her Santa experience and believing, is like, I believe Sam. And she tells him it's okay. And she actually kisses him now. And then he kisses her back. And you're just like, hmm, okay, this is kind of cute. I'm like, and see, in this point in the story, Jess got to a place where it was no longer like, hey, Sam, you're just trying to put, like connect with me when you don't want to. It's more, okay, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm interested in you too. It was really sweet. And then also very cute, like Schmidt and Cece and Winston are ready to go to the next party. And Schmidt's just like showing off the bracelet that he has just to show Cece that he would never give it away. And just him saying like, I'd never do that. And then her response being happy Hanukkah because she knows he doesn't celebrate Christmas. She's not giving him a Christmas gift. I thought that was very sweet and like, I don't know, like thoughtful of her to do it that way. And of course then if he doesn't like completely ruin it but he's just like happy moon festival or like whatever and you know it's fine but overall I was just this entire like ending of Schwinn CC I was very happy about it's only fine because CC thinks it's fine because CC never has any problems with Schmidt ever but ever, ever. <laughs> but yeah I, I thought that was that was kind of cute but then they're like wait where are Nick and Angie and then they're like in a children's hospital really <laughs> But I guess good for them to finally sneak away and not fall out of a sleigh in the middle of a party or lap dance in the middle of a party. Maybe they did need some peace and quiet. Hopefully they found a secluded area. Getting into our Schmidtisms, we're doing this a little bit different this time. Because Schmidt was so emotional and in touch with his feelings this episode, there were a few one-liners, but rather than doing a full Schmidtism quote like we usually do, we pulled out our favorite Schmidt one-liners from this episode. So the first one that we just loved was when he was sitting with Cece outside Winston's party, and he was just like, so bah humbug to you, Cecilia. Bah humbug. Bah humbug. That was... That was one of the best lines. And he just, Max Greenfield as Schmidt is just so emotive, obviously, in so many things. That's why we have a whole section just dedicated to Schmidt. But then another line in this episode that we thought was kind of fun and not to read the whole scene was when 
Cece and Schmidt are talking about, like, or Cece at the beginning is talking about how you want to avoid me, but like take this gift. And Schmidt's trying to make a point. And so we know she says happy Hanukkah at the end, but he's trying to make his point and he goes, I don't celebrate Christmas, okay? Or as I like to call it, white Anglo-Saxon winter privilege night. <laughs> and I was just like, what a great description of Christmas because you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Schmidt. It is very much all about winter privilege. <laughs> like and the gift giving that relates to that. And then the last one we kind of talked about earlier, but the lap dance scene, just Schmidt coming up and saying like, okay, Angie, Angie, you're doing it all wrong. Okay, honey, let me just eye contact. And like, (laughs) just watching him go through this, everyone in the whole radio station was a little weirded out by Schmidt going through all of this, but it was just hilarious to watch. And so Schmidt to just come up and correct the person whose job it is to do something and basically mansplain it to her. Very much mansplain it to her. Very hilarious. But that kind of gets us to our in the 2020 section because right up there with our nods right at the top was Schmidt mansplaining how to do one's job to that person. <laughs> You're just like, Schmidt, what makes you a better stripper than Angie? Really? She does this almost every day for her life, for her job. How could you be better than her? It made me think too of like how the guys were trying to tell Jesse in the other episode of like how to be a good model. And I'm like, yes, because you've been a model so many times. You know what's best here. Another one that came up for us was when Schmidt was upset and he was just talking about what he wanted out of the night. And that was just to hook up with a fatty in an elf costume. And it just... I don't know why Schmidt has to go through these phases or describe women this way. And later you actually even see him talk to a woman and say like, oh, you look like you can be an elf. And it's just very cringy for us watching this episode. But then a few other not moments that we had was Nick kind of rationalizing Angie's job. We touched on how like their relationship right now is just circling around the fact that she's a stripper. But then really Nick being like, oh, well, you're a stripper for now. And it's kind of now Angie's just been in last episode in this episode. And when Nick is meeting Angie, he says like, oh, why are you doing this? Like, is it because you can't afford college or what? How did you get here? You know, he couldn't just believe it. And now it's still happening. And you're just like, we get it. You you're doubting like (laughs) it's okay. And then Lastly, too, just Schmidt's greeting to Cece at the end where it's like Happy Moon Festival and you're just like, another one, Schmidt? Okay. Like, it's definitely gotten old at this point. And Cece still doesn't really seem to care, but it's just like, okay, another another moment where Schmidt just needs to take some time and learn and do his own research. And the one that for us was kind of straddling the line between the not and the yes in the 2020s is when Jess is pointing to a woman and says, a woman whose sexuality I won't presume. Because the way it's written, it's just kind of indicated to be like, oh, she's obviously lesbian and like we're just going to say this to be funny. And so that's kind of the not part for us. But the yes part is, you know, it's great that Jess would go about it as not presuming someone's sexual identity just because – she's at a party where the hosts are lesbian. And I think that's a good thing to celebrate in the 2020s. Yeah, no, I think so. And then the last couple with yes in the 2020s is just the gang really supporting Jess and helping hide her from Sam and being supportive of her wanting to hide and be away from her. But then also Jess, as we kind of have said, standing up for herself and really making that point 
and being strong about it. Like, no, I'm walking away. No, we're not going to do this. Like saying no and sticking to it and having, and Sam sticking to it. And Sam, I mean, like he does kiss her later, but then she puts her foot down again and he takes it. He wasn't going to go back. He he was at work. He wasn't going to go try to find her again, as far as we know. So those, those were also yes in the 2020 moments. So with this episode being named Santa, our pop culture reference had to be a little bit of a deep dive into Santa. So Santa or Santa Claus is also known as Father Christmas, Saint Nicholas, Saint Nick, and Kris Kringle. And he's a legendary character that came from Western Christian culture who is said to bring gifts on Christmas Eve of toys and candy to children who were behaved well and either nothing or coal to naughty children. So Santa was actually based on what is kind of a real origin and a real character of traditions around a few different figures in history. And one is St. Nicholas, who was a 4th century Greek bishop known for giving gifts. There was also the English figure of Father Christmas. And then there was the Dutch figure of Sinterklaas. And that was also based on St. Nicholas. So a few different areas of the world had these origin stories of Santa Claus, and it just kind of went from there. And the word Santa Claus, like how we know it today, is from the Dutch Sinterklaas. And what's kind of interesting is while anyone who probably already knew about Santa that's listening to this pop culture reference would think, oh, the gifts obviously come on Christmas Eve. It's interesting because not every culture celebrates it that way. So in America, the gifts do come on Christmas Eve. But in some other countries, the actual gifts come on a different day and they have different traditions that happen on Christmas Eve and even up to New Year's Eve that are all related to Santa Claus and this holiday. It's something that too has even like manifested into having people dress up as Santa Claus. There's actually like a Santa con. So like a convention where people all come dressed up as Santa in their Santa outfits or like Santa style outfits and just kind of get together for different like meeting up and seeing how they could all be like dressed as Santa Claus and like do that well. And obviously there's like such a industry of having Santa Clauses in department stores or just different types of locations and malls all around, especially in the United States, just like all around having at the holiday times, like in December, having people dress up as Santa Claus to like be there for the kids to make their Christmas wishes and that kind of thing. So it's definitely something that as far as New Girl goes and all of their backstories of like, I figured this out when I was five, you know, like I knew early, but it's really, it's something that is just supposed to like give hope to the children. For our guest stars this episode, we have already discussed David Walton, who plays Sam, in Season 2, Episode 3, Olivia Munn, who plays Angie, in Season 2, Episode 10, and we're not discussing in this episode Paul Grace, who plays the security guard at the hospital, or Edward Hong, who is the night nurse also at the hospital. We did want to touch on, though, Jairus Poindexter. Very briefly, he played the cop or Santa Claus, as the uh, the group came to believe. But he's known for some small roles in Aquila and the Bee, Everybody Hates Chris, and Saving Grace. And he does mostly those small characters, uh, one to two episode story arcs if he's in a television show. Um, but he is really, he's an actor, he's a comedian, he 
is a musician and he was born in 1950 and he first acted actually in 1984. So he's been around a long time and he was able to give his presence to New Girl in this episode as potentially Santa Claus. Yeah, he's been in so many shows as just like one or two episodes as just these side characters. But getting into the trivia and fun facts section, this time a lot of our fun facts came from IMDb, including when Jess is confronted by Jerris or Santa, he has a badge on that actually says Nicholas, which as we just mentioned in our pop culture section, Santa came from St. Nicholas. So it was really cool to see that I don't know if anybody in the car actually noticed this, but that was really cool for us to see as well. Also in this episode, when Nick gets caught with his pants down, literally, in Schmidt's party, he yells, this is my nightmare. And I kind of touched on this earlier, but he has said this so many times before, and IMDb kind of called out that he did this in the previous Christmas episode in season one when he's, like, trapped outside with Paul and Jess – But he also kind of refers to the haunted house as his nightmare. And then back in Fluffer, he talks about a non-sexual friend group date being his nightmare. So Nick has a lot of nightmares that he's working through there. Yeah, and that makes me think back to even season one where he listed off his fears, you know, of like tap water and blueberries and those things. And you're just like, Nick Nick has a lot of anxiety in the world. There's a lot of things that make him a little nervous. Our last fun fact that we found, and this one was very exciting for me to kind of pick up on and note, is that when Nick is kind of bummed about the interaction he had with Angie and how she kind of left the one, she left Schmidt's work party, he goes, Nick Miller turning lemonade into lemons since 1981. And kind of implying with that, that he was born in 1981. And it is pretty consistent for Nick's timeline. And I was like, oh, cool. We get a year to Nick's age and we kind of know officially his birthday or like his birth year. And that aligns with season one where he does say that he's 30 already in the time that he was in the car with Paul. And being 1981, being 2012, he would have been 31 by this episode or turning 31 in that year. So I was really pleased by finding this out. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not always New Girl's thing to keep things consistent here, especially with their ages. So it was really fun to kind of notice this and see that it kind of matches up with what we've heard so far. Yeah, no, I love that. But that really gets us to our writing and favorite character section. As we kind of wrap up, IMDb gave this a rating of 8.2 out of 10. So definitely a little bit higher. The audience viewership was 4.18 million when it first released. And my rating on this episode is definitely a nine. It was it was one of the top episodes. I swear, these holiday episodes, or the one for the 23rd and this one, are just, they pull out all the stops. They do all the fun comedy. They have the best storyline. And I think it's part of it is that everybody's together. I love those when we all kind of go through the same storyline as a group and there's just too much like Schmidt taking over the lap dance, Winston with a cranberry in his ear, Jess standing up for herself, Nick and Jess in that booth. I couldn't, I just, this was a great episode. I loved it. I also gave it a nine. Honestly, bathtub in this episode for me have kind of renewed new girl season two. Like it started off really strong and then I felt like it got a little bit lower in the middle with Neighbors and some of the other episodes. And since Bathtub, I felt really good about 
season two so far. And so, again, it was a nine for me. And my favorite character was Winston because there was definitely some comedic gold with his cranberry stuck in his ear. But then he was also such a good friend for Jess. Like, he fake breaks up with Jess instead of just telling Sam, oh, we were never really together. And he pushes her to get back with Sam and, you know, just provides the great comedic energy, but good friendship throughout all of this as well. So he was my favorite character. Winston was a very close second for me. He was almost a top pick, but I had to go with Jess. I just, I really appreciated Jess's storyline in this episode, as I've said, kind of throughout this episode, but I just, I really loved her commitment to what she wanted and what she felt was right and how she wasn't going to be gullible anymore and standing up for herself. Kind of, as you said earlier, like it was empowering. I was empowered by Jess in this episode and there was comedy too. And she had moments with Nick too. And I was just like, I got to give it to Jess. A hundred percent. Jess was empowering in this episode. And at this point, we're going to get into our spoiler section. So if you haven't watched the rest of the show or you just don't want to hear about any future storylines, this is your chance to break away. But before you go, Kelly and I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl and any episodes you may have listened to so far. We love to hear your feedback, so please give us a rating or leave comments in Apple Podcasts or in whatever podcast platform you're listening to this now. You can also send us an email at whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com or connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Who's That Girl Pod. And we hope you'll be back next week for episode 12. And now you have five seconds to get out before the spoilers start. Okay, so endgame couples. Jess and Nick. Okay, clearly, clearly that phone booth scene really stuck with Kelly and I. We love this. I mean, you're the kind of girl a guy would come back for. This whole radio booth conversation was just so high for us. And so we actually rated them a five because that moment clearly feels like this is an endgame couple talking to each other. So while they were with other people and kind of pushing each other to go to other people, we couldn't rate it lower than a five. We couldn't. And this that scene too just gave me such building the Ikea dresser vibes where Nick's just like, we're just friends who like each other sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, you're damn right. You are like, this is a lot of chemistry between you two. And as we know, it does turn out in that way. And it's coming up pretty soon. I'm like, I just realized I'm like, this is episode 11 and it's episode 15 that they first kiss. So I'm really looking forward to that and getting to that point. We're almost there. Schmidt and Cece, we rated them a little higher, you know, Schmidt was mad. Schmidt was mad with this episode. He was hurt and he wasn't really going to let Cece in, but Cece wasn't going to let him stay mad. And she was doing what she could to really make sure that he knew she was going to be there. Also, the looks they were giving each other at the hospital, at the end, when they're seeing Jess and Sam kiss and connect, they're like looking at each other because they're like, we're here. We're excited about this. Jess is our friend, but also you're my friend. And it was really sweet. So we gave them a 7 out of 10. And then for the douchebag tracker, Schmidt was super supportive of his friends. And even though he was mad at Cece, he cared for her. He kept the bracelet. And so we gave him a 2 out of 10. And a 2, just for our friends on our scale, a 10 out of 10 is a douchebag. And a 0 out of 10 is a genuine guy. And we just didn't feel like Schmidt had so many douchey moments in this episode. Yeah, and we really didn't have any other spoilers this episode. Uh, so we just want to say thanks 
Thanks for listening. We really love you listening to our podcast, Who's That Girl? A New Girl podcast. And we look forward to always getting feedback from you, interacting with you online at our social media accounts at Who's That Girl Pod, through email, Who's That Girl Pod at gmail.com, or on our website, smallscreenchatter.com. And we really look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again next week for our next episode. Bye. Thanks.